It's taken years and years. Everyone's blessed with one special thing. Thousands of listener requests for more local programming on the weekends on 710 ESPN. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. And more cam bros on the radio. You all know exactly who I am. Say my name. And now, after hosting the popular late night happy hour on Twitter during the pandemic. So, so successful was the late night happy hour that we already have a spinoff. You don't get to do it on actual radio. We've given the people what they wanted. Say my name. The Kamenetsky brothers have their own show. Welcome to the Saturday Morning Happy Hour with Andy and Brian Kamenetsky. Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! It's fun, it's smart, it's the most fun you can have on a Saturday morning. Um, actually, pretty nice little Saturday. Time for your Saturday Morning Happy Hour. Right, right now. now. 710 ESPN, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It's a Saturday morning happy hour. Andy, coming to you just moments, moments, mere hours after the great Arash Markazi of the LA Times joined us last night on Friday night's late night happy hour, which you heard during the promo, heard about that, while on a date. That was, that was epic. That was on brand for Arash. Yes. And it, and it was a first. I mean, we thought, we thought that yeah, we had I broken mean, the internet when early in the uh, late night happy hours inception, we had Ramona Shelburne joining us from an elliptical. She spent the entire time on an elliptical machine. Then we thought we broke the internet when Steve Mason joined us from his house, took us on a tour, and showed his Bob Miller Award. Then we thought that we wearing, broke wearing the internet. Wearing it like a clock, like yes, a slave. Exactly. Then we thought we broke the internet when John Ireland joined us from a hot tub. But Arash Markazi just outdid them all. I mean, like, you're going to have to start bringing it now if you want to be part of the uh, happy hour contingency from 10 to 11 Monday through Friday. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I think it's going to have to be you got to bring a date while in the hot tub. Like, that's the next step. Who's going to do that? Press it up, man. Um, Press it up. Yeah, we got to do it it however, however we can. So... Uh, a lot to do today on the Saturday morning happy hour, of course, from 9 to 11 a.m. here now every Saturday on 710 ESPN following Dr. Clapper. By the way, if he didn't get to you, if you have a nagging injury or something like that and you want our advice, you're welcome to call back. 877-710-ESPN. It may not be as good as what Dr. Clapper No, no, no. We, we actually, Brian, for, I, I think, very important reasons, we have to clarify our medical advice is bad, and the station, <laughs> should, ESPN, should and, our, and our parent company, Disney, they assume no responsibility whatsoever oh, if you follow way, our advice. Neither do we. Oh, neither yeah. Neither. No, no, no. We are, we are absolutely shielded off from any responsibility. But w- with that said, we will absolutely take the call and give you yeah. very detailed advice. We'll recommend surgery. We'll recommend not having surgery, whatever. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll just inform it if we have you, to. Right. I mean, you just need to recognize that nobody is liable for the fallout other than yourself. Um, so a lot to cover today. Nine, uh, 930, Michael Lee from The Athletic will join us. Obviously, a lot of NBA news. 1015, Alden Gonzalez from ESPN. 
We'll do uh, some baseball stuff and a little bit of NFL as well. Alden kind of covers everything for ESPN. Um, so Friday was a busy day, Andy, in the in the prospective return for the NBA, and it, it seemed like it was going really smooth. Like it really hey, did. We got a plan. Hey, the NBA put it out. Hey, we got like it's going to be July thirty first. Or wait, no, it's even going to be earlier, July thirtieth. Woo! Eight games and. Uh, 22 teams initially, and then 16, and it's like the whole thing seemed like it was going without a hitch. We got a hitch, Andy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we finally, we've run into a hitch. Um, Kyrie Irving, who is a, an executive with the NBPA, is one of the vice presidents of the Players Association, said in a conference call, this was reported by Woj and other uh, national NBA reporters, that he personally is not in favor of the return to play plan in Orlando. So that's for starters. Um, this was a call with around, you know, 80 players on it. And there's, there are a lot of players who are now expressing some concern about coming back and about the plan to come back. Uh, both the logistics of it, the timing of it, um, all of it really. And, and it relates to everything. Kyrie's personal position is that playing now distracts from the progress and the opportunity that's presented to NBA players to make genuine progress and keep pushing their voice uh, in in the fight for racial justice in the wake of, of the murder of George Floyd. But there, it's not the only thing that that players are arguing about or potentially upset about, Andy. There's there are a lot of layers to this. Well, I mean, I, I think people are starting to realize, and this is a point that you and I have been hitting a lot. This situation is going to be difficult for NBA players entering the uh, bubble in Orlando and what it's actually going to take to try to pull off the resumption of the season and the NBA playoffs and crown a champion in the COVID age and trying to do this in a way that feels as safe as possible. There's no such thing as risk free, but as safe as possible. You know, and, and trying to keep your players as, ex, as unexposed as you can in a scenario where there are going to be a lot of people around by definition, because it takes a lot of people to get an NBA playoffs going. And I, it feels like, especially with what's happening right now and where people's minds are anyway, players may start actually, they may be starting to actually just recognize what am I signing up for? Like what yeah, I'm I mean, signing up for exactly. is going to be difficult. Well, you start to see that you started to see the details coming out this week about how much access people would have and where it would be and, and all this stuff. And it's for that first eight games plus the first round of the playoffs. Nobody else is inside the bubble from your family. You can't have your kids there. You can't have your wife there, your girlfriend, whatever it might be. Those both. people aren't allowed inside the bubble. How, right. I mean, I guess if you want them both. I mean, look, you that's, put, you, that's an interesting choice to make. Like at that point, you got to clear it with the wife and the girlfriend because they're no, all going to be in the no, same No, 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 no. Look, man, that's Disney, its own reality. Disney show. World is huge. You put one on one side, one on no, the other. But that's not. But you're not allowed to put. You, everybody's got to be in the same spot. Um, at this point, if you want both, you're going to have to break that wall down and make mm. sure that that they know each other. I feel. I mean, you I can't because like, they're. They're not going to be if your if your hotel is the Grand Floridian, 
You can't, you know, hide your girlfriend over at the, you know, art of animation. Can you really and expect not? that? No, you can't. No, because the art of animation is going to be taken up by the by the nets or by I, you know by the by the, the by the bucks or something. You can't hide I, your mistress among the I other teams. Like, I feel like I've and then watched, just wander into the art of animation. I feel like I've watched enough episodes of Three's Company to know that you can absolutely <laughs> have two dates going on at once. I mean, Jack Tripper used to pull this off when they were both in the same restaurant. Disney World's huge. I don't see any reason why you can't do this with some planning. You know, if you've got a good friend on another team that doesn't plan to bring any family of their own, you just say, hey, can you do me this solid list this person as family? There are four people in the league who could pull this off. Can you name them? Well, Lou Williams spent a long time doing it. No, no, that's different. (laughs) But Lou Williams is doing it my way. I feel like I've gotten slightly (laughs) sidetracked, but it's worth it here. Lou Williams is doing it my way, where everybody's just aware of it. Sure, sure. But your way, there are four people that theoretically could make this work. Who? Who are they? I don't know. Tell me. Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris, Brooke (laughs) Lopez, Robin Lopez. Well, Brooke and now no, the low actually, pie, the low pie would have to get would have to get their haircuts the same way. I, I but theoretically yeah, yeah. they could make it work because if you have a second person there, then you can do it. Otherwise, you have to do it if you're going to do the three's company thing. You have to do it adjoining room style, where they just keep going back and forth and knocking and then you're like it would be it, it's a lot. Wouldn't it's a lot? It's already a lot. Pandemic's I, already a lot. I feel like. And I and I because I can never remember which one is which and which team that they play for. I can't uh, remember how involved they are in the playoffs right now, but I feel like the Plumleys could do this if for no reason that nobody knows which one's which. Even even their wives and girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't, don't think they don't any, know the difference. Like the wife no, doesn't but, know the difference between Miles and Mason. Nobody knows which Plumley is which. Nobody. I'm not convinced anybody in the league has a clue which Plumley is which. I'm not, I mean, you, I'm not you sure. and I. Come, I'm not sure they care. You and I cover the NBA for a living. I think we're pretty good at it. I have no clue which one's which. No, that's true. And I, 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 the Plumleys in that regard are are sort of similar to how we're treated at the station. Which yeah. Is like they're like not sure. They're not. Nobody's really like you get good performance out of any Plumley that you're looking for, and it doesn't really matter which one you have. I feel like yep. sometimes that's how we're treated at the station. Exactly. Um, but there's. There, I mean, to, we'll, we'll we'll get deeper into this, and obviously with Michael Lee coming up in in twenty minutes, there are so many considerations here that are suddenly in play, and it's not just Andy. The idea that like this is not going to be fun. Like the quarantine rules are very, very strict. No play, no nobody with you. You're just with your team and and your teammates for that first eight game set, plus the training camp. So it's the training camp plus the eight games plus the first round of the playoffs before anybody joins you inside that bubble. That's like a good six weeks right there. Yeah. If you stay, it goes longer. But there are now the questions of how NBA players take advantage of this moment to to push um, for greater racial equality. Obviously, given the, make, the, the racial makeup of the NBA, it's a particularly important question for players in this league. And they also have voices that are, are incredibly powerful relative to other, you know, to, to other sports. And they, um, they, and they're part of a league that allows them to use it. Yes. That's a, that's a and very so, big deal. And so that's a question. There are questions of health 
that go beyond um, just coronavirus, but also, is this all happening too fast? Am I going to hurt myself in training camp and risk a contract? Donovan Mitchell on this call yesterday reportedly was worried about that. But Andy, there's one more big, gigantic thing that is 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 critical to all of it. And it doesn't just matter for this year. It matters probably for the next decade in the NBA. And that's something else that was just thrown on top of all of this planning to get the NBA, NBA back on the floor. We'll tell you what that is next. It's the Saturday morning happy hour with the Kamenetsky brothers, 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Saturday Morning Happy Hour with the Cam Brothers. Unfortunately, he discovered too late that hermano in Spanish meant brother. Live and local on 710. Now Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 a.m. after Dr. Clapper. Oh, do you think so, Doctor? This is the Saturday Morning Happy Hour on 710 ESPN. Michael Lee from The Athletic will join us in about 13 minutes, uh, 9.30. Uh, we're talking about the NBA and some of the news coming out of there. Alden Gonzalez at 10.15 um, on the Saturday morning happy hour with Kamenetsky brothers, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Um, so, Andy, we we're kind of breaking down what happened yesterday with the NBA and Kyrie Irving leading this call with around 80 or so players and some I, by what I can tell, it doesn't seem like people are saying that the restart is in jeopardy. But this sort of incident-free, totally seamless rollout that it seemed like we were getting, it's not so smooth. There are players who have real concerns and a variety of concerns about the league restarting and how it's going to happen. Look, this is a really difficult time to do anything. I mean, forget just starting up the NBA. This is a difficult time to resume your lives in general. You know, for everybody to be trying to attempt some degree of normalcy. You know, like my my daughter had uh, her graduation from third grade yesterday. And, you know, it was done on Zoom. And it was, you know, it was really sweet. and, And it was nice. And the school did their best. For all of this, but I could tell from her watching her during this thing, it didn't feel normal to her. No. And, no, and that's, not. and that's hard. And like the, the steps that we're all going to be taking towards, you know, our toe in the water for what life used to be to, okay, we are resuming life as we used to know it. These are really complicated steps, particularly at a time where there is a lot of focus on real-life, serious, racial, socioeconomic issues going on right now. So I don't mean to be laughing at that. Like, the, like when you do radio shows from your home, and, you know, people don't really, I mean, probably I think now that people understand, like, everybody at, at the station other than the, the board ops are working from home. So Rebecca's with us in the studio. She's making all the, the buttons happen and, and actually making this go out on the air. But everybody else is working from home. The producers work from home. Uh, the hosts work from home. Everybody's. And so, you know, before, like, Andy's, like, kind of flipping off the, his fan and AC because, like, that's great. And then I'm sitting next to the Alexa in, uh, in, my, in the baby's room. And our cousin in New York starts calling to play video games with the kids. And so that's and I like to I can't figure out how to turn it off. So I just unplug it. 
This is what happens when you have to do these things from home. Oh, I, I've already had a few interviews cut off because my daughter's uh, my daughter has an iPad that at right. the time oh, I, know exactly. I, yes. I set up her iPad to be part. It's basically under my phone account, which at the Correct. time seemed like a great idea before I realized that a she was of a texting age and a FaceTiming age and B, you know, before I knew we'd be stuck at home quarantine for the foreseeable future. I've had so many things knocked offline because one of her friends, you know, a few of them who, by the way, operate under aliases, like they actually have texting and FaceTime aliases. They'll call me. My daughter was, I'm not joking, part of a 13 person text chain. And she even said to me, I don't know how I ended up on this chain. I don't know who these people are, but she was part of me. 13. 13 kids new phone new phone who dis Um, exactly like so anyway so like i think there's there are so many by the way she's staring at me right now saying stop talking about about me me. stop talking about me i heard her um so like like you say nothing is normal and that includes let's go to disney world for however long and play basketball people are starting to understand the the um sort of the, the implications of that and are asking more questions. But Andy, what beyond the question of how do players best respond to this question, the, this moment to use their influence in, 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 in achieving racial justice and pushing reform and all these other things, there's that question. There's the question of health. Um, are we being safe going into the bubble if Disney employees that work down at the hotels, like they're going to be allowed to go in and out. What does that mean? Now, when you start to break that down, it seems like the NBA is accounting for that. And the rules for the NBA are going to be a lot more strict than they are in the rest of Florida or the rest of the country. But the other part of this that is a massive factor is money. And not just money for this year. If players can't figure out how to get back on the floor in a way that works for everyone, and the NBA does not have a conclusion to this season. They can tear up the CBA and start over again. And trying to renegotiate an, an entire new CBA after you've just walked out on a season in the middle of a pandemic that is not going anywhere. People talk about the second wave, Andy. We're not done with the first wave yet. It, ha- it hasn't gone anywhere. I can't think of a time for players where it would be worse to try to create a CBA than this. So like, and that could have impact the league for another decade. Yeah. I mean, you also, it's, it's really interesting trying to figure out with the players, you know, the, the notion of it, whether it's just appropriate to be playing, like forget mm-hmm. safe to be playing uh, a good idea to be playing, whether the format allows them to really, crown a championship in a way that feels, you know, satisfactory. Just the idea of, is it appropriate right now with the unrest and the protests that have been going on in this country and just where we are, not just in America, but worldwide, the focus that has been on, that's been happening right now on racial injustice and the need for police reform, all these, all these different things, whether or not it's appropriate. There's the question though, of how much the players platform allows them to have the maximum effect in, you know, creating pressure and and trying to get the outcomes that they want. 
and how much their platform could get potentially undercut by not playing. Well, but Kyrie's position and the position of Lou Williams, I saw that this morning, like Bleacher Report had some stuff out, like the position of some of these guys is we undercut our position by playing. Right. We go out, the first thing that we, the first thing that happens, the moment we start playing is people stop talking about. No, I understand that, but that's their position. No, I understand that. And I think there is some legitimacy to that stance. But the problem they could potentially face, and th- this is what I think you may be getting at when you talked about that second wave, if the players opt not to play, ultimately because they feel like this is not the right time, they want to make sure that the focus stays on these issues at hand. And by the way, I understand that position, and I don't think it's unreasonable. But if you end up missing it, right, though, but I, mean, I don't know. I, mean, I don't. I, don't know. Mean, I mean, strategically, I right, don't know. Exactly. Exactly. If they're correct about that. I, I don't know if they are or not. I'm just saying I think it's reasonable. But the problem is, if you opt not to participate in this season, and then the 2021 season ends up untenable because of a second wave of COVID, and you end up not being able to play that season on top of the one that you opted out, then I would be concerned as an NBA player about cutting out the legs of your own platform. And whether or not being the visibility of being an NBA player could could affect your ability right, if you're not playing, if you're not playing, right? If you're not playing, right. Games. I mean, it could affect your ability to actually maintain that pressure, you know, to well, maintain I mean, well, that type I, of I visibility. And I and a, I don't know the answer. I'm just saying I feel I don't like I, but it's there, a nobody question. does. But there's no way to know. It's a legitimate question. It's a it's a legitimate question, and the, the problem is like there's no there is no correct answer, and you can't. And once it happens. You can't go back and prove, you know, the counterfactual. If we had just not played, it would have. There's no way to. There's no way to prove that any of these are right or wrong until you do them, and even then, you don't know what the answer is going to be. But it's also like the players are in a tough spot of trying to figure out. Like, people are unquestionably fired. Like the, the media, and you know, media is not spending as much time covering the protests now than they were last week. Um, there are a lot of reasons for that. Uh, some people say it's because there's just not enough writing going on, so it's just not as interesting. They're too peaceful, and they're therefore like. But it's also just something that's sort of cycling through the news. But the protests are still out there. They're happening in Minneapolis. There are protests today in Los Angeles. They're everywhere still. But at some point, like people are going to go back to doing their work. Like you have to be able to kind of walk and chew gum at the same time. And figuring out how to combine those two things is not an easy task. Um, but, you know, the, 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 fin- the financial part of it, the, the social justice part of it, figuring out the difference. And we'll talk about this with Michael Lee coming up next. Like, how much of this is about conflicts that exist inside the union that were there before all of this started to happen in terms of, who the CBA favors? Is it favors star players over the rank and file in, inside the union? These are all questions that are kind of the subtext to some of these debates that are going on. Um, and so actually, you know what? Let's, let's talk to Michael Lee from The Athletic about that question, about what he thinks uh, is going to happen with these negotiations and player voting. Uh, we'll talk about that next. It's the Saturday morning happy hour with the Kamenetsky Brothers, 710 ESPN. 
You're listening to the Saturday Morning Happy Hour with the Cam Brothers. It was between the brothers, Cam. This is the Saturday Morning Happy Hour on 710 ESPN. All right, so, Andy, as it turns out, our, our media empire is so big that people can't keep track of which show it is that they're appearing on. Um, Saturday morning, happy hour, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, and joining us now from The Athletic, the great NBA writer, uh, Michael Lee. And, Michael, first of all, thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and my understanding is you thought that you were appearing on the nighttime show, which is great news for a couple reasons. First of all, it means you do not have to get dressed. Like, it doesn't matter what you're wearing right now. So that's good. Um, and that also tells me, Michael, that you might be available to come on, like, the night. We never, we haven't called you because we figured, like, you're, you're further east and wouldn't want to stay up that late. Well, I have a, a, a newborn child, so I don't sleep anymore. So I'm up at all hours. Oh, well, this is great news. What are you doing Tuesday? <laughs> uh, I don't know right now. Um, I, okay. It all depends on what, what my son tells me. I'm going to be doing. I'm changing a diaper. Well, I mean, Michael, you can do that during the late night happy hour. Just so you're aware, right. like we have we have no objection to you changing uh, your son's diaper. Like family comes first, but we come Absolutely. second and a very close second. He, he might be screaming all through it. I might run off oh, all fine. your audience. That doesn't well, matter. We're cool. well, last, we had a last Rash, night. We had a Rash Markazi on last night. He was out on a date. So, like, we're we're fine. We, whatever it is that you're doing, it's okay with us. But now we know, and we will uh, we'll get back to you. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> as I mentioned, uh, Michael does fantastic work. Congratulations, by the way. Michael yes. does fantastic work for the athletic. Um, how much? How much sort of dissent was there coming out of of this call yesterday, this conference call with Kyrie Irving and, and a bunch of other players? Um, and how much does that kind of change the dynamic going forward for getting the NBA restarted? Yeah, I think last night was just more about allowing more players in the room to have their voices heard. Um, I think that the one thing that's happened, you know, is that the league, not speaking just from the NBA aspect, they're in such a rush to try to get a season going because there's so much money at stake and the time is really now if it's going to get done. And I think that, you know, once the uh, Board of Governors approved, you know, the 22-team plan in Orlando with the bubble, they put it on the Players Association to make a decision the next day. They weren't able to get all the players. They weren't even able to get all the player reps. So the decision was made, you know, with just 20, not 28 votes. Um, there are 450 players. And so you can't get people in a house to decide what they're going to get order takeout. So just imagine trying to get 450 <laughs> players to agree on, you know, uh, uh, just whatever they're going to, you know, do in terms of a bubble or the rules and everything like that. Now, the union did come out and state last week that they were going to support the league and trying to, you know, come up with an agreement that makes sense for everybody. But when things start leaking out and players start getting the details of how the bubble is going to be set up, and then you also have a climate now, a political climate, uh, at least in terms of, you know, uh, protests, you know, for racial inequality and um, social injustice, these t- these factors are all coming in all at once, and so players are being bombarded with a lot of things, and um, and some of them honestly weren't fully engaged in the off. They feel like this is an off season. They don't feel like this is a continuation of the season. They feel like the season's over, and so now they're being thrust into playing in, a, in an environment they're not ready for. So it's just all these factors coming together, and I think you know Kyrie Irving is taking a lot of heat for speaking up, but somebody had to speak up because. 
you know, a lot of players are uncomfortable right now about just going out there playing basketball for a myriad of reasons. Um, Irvin's is more based on just, you know, social injustice, but there are other factors um, that, that are involved here. And I think last night was more about a forum than anything else. Yeah, you actually led to where I wanted to go next, Michael. We're talking with Michael Lee from The Athletic Covers, all things NBA for the site. Um, what do you make of Kyrie in particular being this voice leading players? Because, like, on one hand, I don't want to doubt his sincerity on anything because I don't think that's fair to him. But on the other hand, he's established this reputation as a contrarian and sometimes a contrarian for the sake of being a contrarian. He hasn't always been known as a great leader. And also, he's part of the Players Association. So in certain yeah. ways, it, it would feel like he's going against his own group. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, part of the problem is that people are looking at the messenger and not necessarily the message. Uh, you're right. I think if it had come from anybody other than Kyrie, people will probably rally behind it a little bit more. Like, say, if Kevin Durant was leading it or you know, even Carmelo sort of, mirrored some of the same things that Kyrie said in, in the call, but I think that people, ever since Kyrie came out and said that, you know, the earth was flat, he sort of discredited any opinion that he ever had after that. <laughs> you know, well, that's a big one, Michael, in fairness. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. It is. It's a that's, huge that's one. It's a tough one to get past. And it sort of delegitimized any comment that he made, that he makes from here on out. Um, but, I, but I honestly think that, you know, Kyrie is still in this you know, state of self-discovery, and he's trying to figure out everything, you know, and it's it's unique because we forget that these guys entered the league at 19 years old. They don't know everything. And so we see their, their growth. We see their development. We see them understanding and grasping the power that they have as basketball. And we see their, their, their mistakes. And everybody has their Twitter fingers. Everybody has their opinions based on how things are perceived from the, from the way we present players to, to, to the audience. And I think everyone has sort of formed this opinion that Kyrie is just this crazy dude <clears throat> who's just super woke and is just not really, you know, um, taking in all the factors, you know, in his decision-making. Um, and I think that's sort of unfair to him. And I, But I also think that he's get, gaining more confidence in his voice. He's gaining more confidence in who he speaks for and what he has to say. And I know he's done some things quietly behind the scenes, um, you know, one of the things I think a lot of people don't know is that, you know, he's very involved with his with his high school. You know, um, he's he's there all the time. Now that he's back in his in his name in his hometown, um, but I think that the one thing is, it's, it's just people are so caught up in mocking him, but they really just need to listen to him because, like I said earlier, he's finding his voice. But we really should just listen to what he's saying and not how it sounds. Talking to Michael Lee covers the NBA for the Athletic um, when. Michael, when when you have a, set, a situation like this where players are uh, finding their voices and they are uh, really empowered to use them in ways that are are unprecedented, combined with this national moment where everybody, in ways that are I think are unique to these kinds of questions in our history, everybody seems to be engaged and everybody seems to be kind of understanding and recognizing the moment and recognizing the inequality for what it is. I will say this though, my concern is my people, and by that I don't mean uh, uh, radio hosts, I mean white people, mm -hmm. who are kind of being brought, there are a lot of people who are kind of being brought along and moved into this moment. A lot of people I think will look for a reason to pull out or to not have to be held responsible or whatever it might be. 
and players arguing about the best way to message could become one of those things where it's like, oh, well, I'm going to check out while these guys figure out how to tell me how I'm supposed to do whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. How much concern is there, do you think, among players in terms of just how and figuring out the right way to take advantage of it? They want to speak with one voice, but it's 400. It's like you said, it's 450 guys and it's not all, uh, you know, black players. It's also white players. It's white European players. It's like, there's there's a yeah. whole mix of guys. How does the NBA as a group, as a group of players, coalesce around a message, whether they start in Orlando, don't start in Orlando, play next year, however it works? Yeah, and I think it's tough because, like, um, I think that for a lot of the players, and I reached out to a couple, you know, yesterday when all the stuff was kind of, you know, unfolding, and most of them want to play. Most of them want to compete. They aren't really afraid of COVID. They aren't really fearing, you know, a lot of things. The rules about the bubble sort of um, are upsetting, and that that sort of has guys uncomfortable. And then there are guys like who are like Kyrie who are really behind, you know, this uh, you know social and racial injustice that they want to get behind it. But other players feel like this is an opportunity to play basketball, to have the eyes of the world on the NBA and use that as an opportunity to make a statement, you know, in the same way that Colin Kaepernick took a knee and brought attention to it, you know, and, and maybe and people, you know, uh, co-opted it and, and turned it into something that it wasn't really all about. But I think that now everyone is paying attention and players feel like they can, you know, one, speak out, you know, at these games. They can wear T-shirts. They can send their message, you know, through, through the game somehow. And they also need this money. You know, they can make their, their salaries and then they can give back to the communities and invest in other ways. And there's so many different ways you can go about, you know, the message. And I remember asking, you know, one guy just like, you know, is it the, is the climate just not right to play basketball whenever, when there's so much, you know, uh, unrest right now in the country and protests and everything? And it's like, well, if we worried about, you know, you know, the treatment of black people and, you know, in this country and decided to make a, a stand, then we never would have had a league. Because <laughs> we never would have played because we've always been in situations where, you know, we have to fight for whatever we get as black people. And and that's a point that sort of, you know, stuck with me is that, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, right now people are open, people are listening, people are aware. But how do you want to go about doing it? Is canceling the season really an effective way of sending out your message? Um, you know, is that what and what point will it prove? Because in the in the long run, you might wind up hurting, you know, um, economic interests of the owners who can retaliate by canceling the CBA and you know then have you in an extended lockout where you would have lost the goodwill of fans, you know, who are behind you. They'll feel like you sabotaged, you know, the game in some ways. Um, and I think that's that's the tough position that a lot of players find them in, find themselves in. But I think a lot of them sort of feel like. If you look at LeBron right now, he he's we know he's hell bent on playing and trying to get a ring right now, but he also is involved in trying to you know you know fight against voter suppression and um, getting people registered to vote and involving other players. So there are ways you can go about doing what you're what you're you know you know your your side your craft you know you're you're a basketball player you can go out there and do that, but if you have other ambitions, you can go about doing that as well. And I think that they just want to bring it all together to where we focus on basketball because that's what we're all here for. That's why we have a platform to begin with. But then if we want to expand that platform, let's not do, lose you know, focus on what really matters, and that's what got us here, and that's basketball. 
Yeah, you raise an interesting point, Michael. We're talking with Michael Lee from The Athletic, covers all things NBA. If, if you if you waited for a time where there weren't more important issues than basketball, you'd never play basketball because there's always been things more important than basketball. We just happen to be in a moment right now where everybody's really focused on it. Uh, last question for you. It's two-part. At the end of the day, do you expect the, the plan in Orlando, the bubble, to happen? And how much participation percentage-wise do you expect from the players involved? Um, I think you see a good majority of the players um, participate. Uh, I think that, you know, the financial implications of continuing the seasons are massive, you know. And, I, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable about the fact that money is the primary motivator here. It's not actually trying to give people a great product. It's actually just to try to make money and make sure that uh, we keep things moving so that they can be the next year as well. Um, but I, I just feel like, um, <clears throat> you know, I think that, that we'll eventually – go forward with it because um, I think that you might see, you know, a couple of players, you know, back out, um, you know, some probably even prominent players back out. But, uh, but I think overall the, the main thing is just trying to make sure that the guys who do commit to come, that they're in a safe, you know, and, and structured, you know, environment where they, you know, feel comfortable enough to go out there and compete because the last thing you need is for this to go poorly. The last thing you need is right. for somebody that really gets seriously injured or even worse, you know, get you know, worse. I'll just say I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, I don't even want to put it out there in there. What could, worse could right. be, but you know what I'm saying. So, I, but I, I think in the end, um, the majority of players do want to go out there and play. And you see some other players that may splinter off and, and do their own thing during this time because, in essence, there are eight teams that are already out of it. So, <laughs> so some guys can just join those those players of those eight teams and do whatever they want with this this off season. Uh, Michael Lee from The Athletic, We uh, first of all, you sound incredibly lucid for having a newborn, so that's impressive. Uh, we thank you for, for your willingness to put on a shirt for us, even though you didn't have We're glad you didn't have to. Um, and hopefully... I am too. Now, just, just, just for the record, I had a shirt on. It just wasn't like everybody would see, you know. It's not a presentable uh, if, shirt. If you, if, you, if, you, if you guys have me on the happy late night happy hour, I, I will have a shirt on. Uh, that, that, that will you don't be have, again, you, we, you make up the rules, man. If you're, if after 10 o'clock Pacific, you're like, no shirt. That's John Ireland went shirtless. John Ireland was in a hot uh, tub. So I, I, I lost the ability to go shirtless, like, since high school. So, uh, <laughs> well, so did John. <laughs> I was born, I was actually born with a shirt on, Michael, and I've kept one on ever since. Uh, nobody wants that. But thank you so much for the time, and we'll definitely be in touch. This is great news that we can Congratulations, have Michael, too. too. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for having me on there. All right. Um, all right. So a, a lot to, to talk about based on what we just heard from, from Michael Lee at the athletic. We'll do that next. Uh, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky is Saturday morning happy hour, 710 ESPN. This is the Saturday morning happy hour on 710 ESPN. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back with the Cambros. So just saw this on Twitter, Andy. Um, from the New York Post headline, alternate reading of Mayan calendar suggests end of the world is next week. Sounds about right. Yep. <laughs> Hard to argue with that. Uh, it is the Saturday morning happy hour. Kamenetsky brothers, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Again, a reminder, if you missed last night's Saturday, uh, Friday uh, late night happy hour with Arash Markazi out on a date, you can check that out on our Twitter feed. We'll get that back out to you as well. Um, one of the things that Michael Lee talked about in our last segment, Andy, that I thought was interesting regarding this NBA restart 
it, it is this money aspect of it and the time, like how you try to balance. No, seriously, we gotta, we have to manage the rest of our careers with no, seriously, this is an incredibly important moment in history where our voices may never be as amplified as they are. That is a really difficult line to straddle. I don't know the answer. I mean, in part because we don't know what the climate is going to be like in July. I mean, we we don't know what the climate's going to be like, you know, in a week. You know, it, it's difficult to try to predict what the right what we're dealing with right now on so many different levels between the pandemic, between the protests and the unrest going not just going on in this country, but around the world between the economic issues that are affecting so many different industries, including sports, including the NBA, the, what the industry that we are a part of, there are so many unprecedented things coming together at the exact same moment and trying to figure out the best way. If you're an NBA player to leverage what you want from this moment in terms of raising awareness, in terms of trying to push for the changes that are necessary, that's difficult to try to figure out. And you, you only get one opportunity to do it right. right. And, there, well, and, there's no, and there's no way to know what the right – and I thought the point that Michael made about basketball, like is, is basketball – the, the games themselves, because the concern is, and you saw players voicing this, uh, you know, in this meeting, the minute we start to play, the story becomes about who won, who lost, who had 20 points, who's going to win a title, whatever. People stop talking about George Floyd and, and racial justice. The other, the, the other half of that argument though is, no, it's basketball that is the platform. It's basketball that gives us the voice ultimately and gives us our platform and puts power behind it. And, I, I tend to think more towards the latter. I feel like the attention on the game can kind of crisp, help crystallize that message. There are things that players can do with all of that attention, but far be it from me to tell them what the right way to do it is, and particularly what the right way to feel about it. I mean, strategy we can all we can all debate, but like how you should feel about it as a player, particularly as a black player. Like, you need my opinion on that? I don't think so. I just also feel like at the end of the day, if people are looking to avoid what's going on, they'll find any reason to do it. And frankly, it doesn't matter if you go back to playing or not. Anybody who would use the NBA starting back up again and these guys who have all been out protesting, I think to their credit, all these NBA players, if you would use that, them being back on the court as a way of, avoiding what's going on right now, you were looking for a reason regardless. And you were going to, you were going to latch on to the first available thing. Yeah. I th- I, there's some truth to that. And uh, it, it actually, it leads to something that I'm concerned with the calls for Colin Kaepernick to be given an opportunity to be put on an MB, uh, an NFL team. You see a lot of that going around. Now. The right way for the NFL to respond is to make sure Colin Kaepernick is on a roster. I'll tell you what my concern with that is next, Andy. You tell me if I'm right. Uh, it's the late night. It's the late night happy hour. No, it's the Saturday morning happy hour with the Kamenetsky brothers, 710 ESPN.